0: So, Munaza, when I say ancient Egypt, what comes to mind?
1: Ooh, mummies? Pyramids? The curse of King Tut's tomb?
0: Only two of those things are real. You know that, right? I know. I was just trying to bring some
1: more drama to the moment.
0: I'm Gabby Salazar. And I'm Munaza Alam. And we're the hosts of How We Explore. I'm a National Geographic explorer and one of the authors of the book No Boundaries from Nat Geo Kids. It's about other women explorers and scientists like Munaza. I'm an astronomer who looks for and categorizes exoplanets. We get the question all the time, how do you become an explorer? And what does an explorer do? In
1: this podcast, we'll talk to 10 explorers who contribute to science and exploration through different fields and learn about the challenges and the inspirations they have along the way. From digging for ancient artifacts, to gazing at the stars, these explorers have adventures in the farthest flung reaches of the world. They're scientists, explorers, and leaders who took risks and overcame problems to become who they are today. After hearing all these amazing stories, we wanted to share them with you and show you how we explore.
0: Well, speaking of the Pharaoh Tutankhamun, whose tomb was not cursed. Today's awesome explorer-slash-guest was actually inspired by the discovery of his tomb. As a kid growing up in Egypt, Nora Shawke watched a film that recreated that famous moment in 1922 when a British archaeologist peeked through a tiny hole in the burial chamber, the most intact Egyptian tomb ever found. I've got chills. So did Nora. She immediately knew what she wanted to be when she grew up. But between knowing what she wanted to do, studying ancient Egyptians, and actually accomplishing her dream. There was a lot of messy in between. Like
1: mummies coming back to life?
0: This is a great start to our podcast about science. Nora's real life top challenges aren't battling undead mummies or fighting ancient curses. Sometimes it's just a ton of paperwork, lots of rejection emails, and having to totally change plans at the last minute. Paperwork? Sounds scary to me. Tell me about it. But it's all worth it for Nora. She's not digging for golden treasures, though. She's most interested in learning more about the normal people who lived in the Nile Delta, the fertile farmland in the northern part of Egypt, over 2,500 years ago.
2: Well, for me, I focus on the daily lives of ordinary people, because everyone does tend to focus, even in the academic world, not just in the, you know, social media, pop culture and all that. They also focus on the elites and the the royals. But no one focused on the majority of the population, which was the normal people like us. So it would just be the equivalent of just focusing on the U.S. presidents or the kings and queens we have today instead of um, normal people.
1: So rather than uncovering palaces or temples, Nora studies
0: the homes of average Egyptians? Exactly. She wants to know stuff like, what did they eat? How did they worship? Why did they move around? I've never thought about it like that before. And to do this work, Nora selects sites where she thinks everyday people might have lived. Then she reads a ton of papers written by other archaeologists and studies the history of the area. You
2: have to really have a strong, solid theory as to why this place is important. Like, you have to create a story. It's, it's a story that you're, you're kind of piecing together. It's like puzzle pieces. And when you excavate, then you confirm where the pieces go.
0: Once she's done all her research and come up with a theory about a site... She has to apply for funding to pay for the excavation. And she got a lot of no's. Ouch. And I was just so used to
2: seeing on my email, you know, we regret to inform you. At the beginning, it really crushed me. It really crushes your ego when you're so excited and, you know, fresh into the field when you're younger. So it's really important to not let that be a negative thing and let it, you know, put a dark cloud over everything you're working on. You have to also remember what you're focusing
0: on. But amid all the no's, she got one yes! The National Geographic Society agreed to provide the funding and support for Nora to dig in a small village. It would be the first project she'd ever been in charge of. All she had to do was get a permit from the government to dig. And then boom! It'd be excavation time! After a year and a half, a lot of applications and paperwork, she was finally ready. But when she arrived at the site, she realized that the people in charge of the village didn't want her there. In fact. They'd been holding up her permit all that time.
2: They told me, yeah, well, it's not going to happen. You can try to dig here, but we're not going to make it easy. So I came back devastated. The first one I called was my uh, program officer at National Geographic. Uh, I called him from the field. I was shaking, and I remember this so well. I didn't know what to do. I had waited a year and a half for this moment to actually excavate and be the director of my own site. It was a huge deal for me. And also that this is a huge chunk of my research um, academically. So so I have to really take an executive decision and think about it, what I'm going to do. I can either dig at the site, follow everything as planned, but risk the safety of my team and myself, and also running out of funding within two days, and also risk the research, because also me coming there, put the site more on the map, so it means if they're looting the site already, they're going to loot it at a more alarming speed.
0: Nora was worried that the artifacts at the site might be in danger of being lost. She cared too much about the history to let that happen. Oh no! The dig! Her dream! Nora was in a tough spot. But in the end, she made the choice to abandon the project and the site. Oof,
1: I feel bad for her. So much work. I've definitely had plans fall through before, and it can
0: be frustrating. Me too. But good thing Nora came up with a backup plan. She chose a new site and filed for a new permit. And this time it worked. She was able to lead her dig at a site called Tel Tamai. Nora says the excavation is the fun part, but it's still really hard work.
2: Typically we'll wake up at around four thirty-five a.m. because we need to excavate um, while the sun's out. And when it's that early, it's, at least the weather is a little cooler, so it's a little better for us. And then we start excavating. Um, in the trenches that we have lined out, so they're all systematic. So we know exactly where um, everything we find comes from. We have to document everything, or everything we're doing for no reason, because so essentially archaeology itself is we're destroying history because we're breaking it down. So if we don't document everything, how we found it, how we put it back together, where we store it, then we're not doing it any justice. We have to figure out how you know how to understand it historically. So we start excavating. If there are any finds, we bag them right away. We label it with the date, the what the find is. Uh, we have the location of it. Everything is uh, photographed and mapped in. Then we head back to the dig house. We have lunch, and then everyone has one hour break. And then we continue working again in the lab. So that's when we study all the finds that we had from the day. And then uh, we're processing all the finds and we have to put them in an Excel sheet and, you know, understand how uh, to keep everything in order and then upload all the images as well to have them in one database. And then uh, we use all this information. We do this every day. And then at the end of the season, we create a, a season report.
1: Those are some long days. What does Nora always pack when she excavates?
0: Her trowel. It's a small tool used for digging, and Nora says it's especially useful to pull back layers of soil to uncover ancient mud bricks. I almost forgot she digs for mud structure in mud. Does she have a favorite find? Yes. One time Nora uncovered the skeleton of a woman who died thousands of years ago, but she was still wearing something special.
2: My favorite part about this was that she still had... Um, a necklace around her neck in a blue stone lapis lazuli, which is actually my personal favorite stone. It's a very deep blue um, stone with gold flecks in it. And it's was very rare um, in the ancient times. It still is rare now. It's mined in Afghanistan. And uh, it was very expensive at the time as well as today. It was nice and her, the necklace was still, it was something left behind,
1: you know. What a treasure. Nora was the first person to touch that necklace in thousands of
0: years. She has such a cool job. She does, but it was a rocky, or I guess sandy road to get where she is now. You
2: know, not all exploration for anyone in the world has to be in some exotic location. It could be in your own backyard. It doesn't matter. What every every place in the world you have, um, there's a historical significance, so you don't have to travel into the, you know, the Amazon or go to some random jungle or island or whatever. It's It's important to know that there's a huge history and things, even if it doesn't look like it from the surface. Because you wouldn't think it looks like a trash dump from the surface, but actually it used to be an ancient royal city.
1: You know, I'm going to go look for what cities might be buried under my backyard. And I hope I don't unlock any ancient curses.
0: Munaza!
1: Thanks for listening, future explorers. If
0: you want to learn more about Nora Schauke and her work, check out the book No Boundaries, about women scientists and explorers. It was written by me, Gabby Salazar, and my fellow explorer, Claire Fiesler. And it's available wherever books are sold.
1: That's it for this episode. Join us next week as we talk to an ecologist about how she came to study elephants at Gorongosa National Park in Mozambique. How We Explore is hosted by Gabby Salazar and Manaza Alam. This podcast was written by Alison Shaw and Emily Everhart. Rebecca Cunningham is our audio producer, and Claire Fiesler is our editorial consultant and field recording specialist. Music composed by Ijo Leo, with guitar by Axel Borgmo. Curtis Cross is our audio engineer. Gabby Salazar is our producer, and Emily Everhart is our executive producer. Special thanks to all interviewees for agreeing to participate in this project.